Sotastic podcast. My name is Roshan Hindia. Today we have with us a very special guest. Trey Markle is the founder and CEO of both Centrex Software, which is a finance dedicated CRM and mobile app software company. And he's also the founder and CEO of iBank, which is a personal money management platform designed for millennials. Trey spent his entire career in fintech industry helping consumers and businesses build a better relationship with their money. And so he brings with them just a lot of, lot of experience, guys. So Trey, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Yes, Raj, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. How are you, my friend? I'm glad we had a chance to sit down and talk today because I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. That's my, that's my favorite. Good stuff. So before we get started with anything else, can we learn a little bit more about you, your family life, your professional life a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I was born and raised in Southern California. I am the oldest of four kids. I have one, uh, one sister and two younger brothers, the youngest brother being about eight years younger than me. Life in Southern California was, was pretty awesome. I got to admit, uh, we were raised by the beach. Mom and dad were big outdoor people and raised by the beach, raised in the mountains, kind of uh, always doing kind of the outdoor stuff. Pretty typical, you know, lots of sports and lo lots of, you know, lots of fun, lots of, you know, friends and family and, you know, get togethers. I've got 14 cousins on one side of the family and I've got wow. 17 cousins on the other side of the family. Hmm. So there was not a single dull moment <laughs> growing up in the Markle household on both sides of the family. I uh, was very much into sports. I played all the sports, the youngster, soccer and baseball and football and as many sports as I could get into. And I kind of settled into water polo, which is kind of a California only sport, at least today. All the division one water polo colleges are in the state of California. I also uh, was classically trained in the violin. So I love music. I played a lot of classical wow. music, worked really hard through high school, got a water polo scholarship to a D1 water polo university called University of the Pacific, which is in Northern California. Got a, a pretty decent business school. So I graduated from college and fell right into finance technology. My father had a small firm that I went to go work for. And then, you know, being a millennial born in 1985, graduating college in 2007, the financial collapse hit literally within a year of, oh, yeah. of graduating. And that was yeah. a, a learning curve. Re-evangelized myself when uh, my parents' company totally went down. It was, it was a horrible site. It was you know, 50, 60 employees within six months, it went down to three employees. Wow. Um, a lot of straining relationships between me and family and, you know, other employees and family. So re-evangelized myself and started Centrex and started iBank at a very similar time and um, never looked back. So your family had a finance background to begin with? Yeah, my father was a big Wall Street veteran. So he uh, was on Wall Street in the mortgage industry. He was uh, there during the time where they started kind of evangelizing subprime, which was obviously the demise of, of the country slash world and the finance industry in 2008. My father was in, in the kind of late uh, 80s and all through the 90s was real big on Wall Street, spent a lot of time there, um, traveled to New York, you know, four or five times a day or uh, a week, four or five times a week out of the year. So we didn't get to see him a lot for you know, uh, many years growing up. And then he, you know, was successful in Wall Street, sold out in the early 90s, and then kind of wanted to build his own, his own tech company. So it was actually quite impressive. He was one of the first business owners in the United States to build kind of a matchmaking service long before mm -hmm. eHarmony or any sort of dating website was out there. He built one for bar 
to meet lenders based on filters. And, you know, software companies back in the 90s, it was IBM and it was Oracle and is, you know, hiring your own software developers wasn't really kind of a thing just yet. So he spent just tons of money on these companies that gave him absolutely nothing or close to nothing. He finally said, you know what, I'm going to try to go out there and find my own developers, which he did successfully and built kind of a, a lender, angel, investor, matchmaking system all the way up until about 2008, 2009. And then it all came down. <laughs> wow. Something I read about you, you said you mentor and coach kids. Help me understand that, that aspect a little bit. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Catholic church and we've got a really wonderful community here in Southern California. All you know, religions and faiths are beautiful and the community that they build are beautiful. Mm -hmm. And you know, whatever your experience is in your, in your community is, is fabulous. Mm -hmm. I personally happen to have a great one in the church in Southern California. We had just this fabulous pastor who just, all the kids loved him. He loved the kids. It was just an awesome, awesome church. And the adults were super proactive. So mm -hmm. I do my best to try to volunteer at the church in the youth ministry. And I come from a Southern California background. I'm local. Father was a Wall Street guy. Um, mm -hmm. I suppose the, the the silver spoon in the mouth was definitely my situation, but that can cause a lot of strife and a lot of um, insecurities, I think, in a lot of people, especially when they're young. I wanted to be able to give them some education on what that meant and how to act with that and how to live with that and how to go into the world and make right decisions and, you know, not be arrogant and it being okay that you're from a wealthy area and, you know, making the right decisions on how you've been given the tools to empower others, to do great things and to mentor others, to, you know, make good decisions. Um, being a kid, I made a lot of bad decisions, obviously, as a lot of kids do, I suppose. And uh, I wanted to make sure I was setting an example for a lot of other kids in the Orange County, Southern California area. So I do my best. I don't get out there as much as I'd like to. I try to go to some of the local universities and do some speaking as well about being an entrepreneur and being a successful business owner and going through 2008 and making mistakes and then making you know good decisions. I like it. I very much enjoy it. I think someday when I retire, I've always wanted to be like a quasi professor, you know, and teach everyone about you know, being a business owner and what it really means and not kind of a fluffy uh, term that some people make it, you know, sound like. So yeah, it's it's something near and dear to my heart, and I, I really do like it. And the finance part definitely plays into that here and there. Um, sometimes finance is not that very uh, attractive topic, especially when it comes to the youth. You lose their you lose their attention pretty fast, right? So organizations like yours, some of the things I try to do, hopefully we can make it a little more engaging, and you know, help out the best way we can. What age are the kids that you generally mentor and play essentially a big brother to? Yeah, they're typically early teens, right? Early so if you look at if you look at like the youth programs at uh, mm. I'd say probably most churches, it, it can start pretty young, but I typically start with 12, 13 years old all the way up until they graduate and go into college, so 18 years old. How did you get introduced into the finance industry and then how did you re-evangelize re yourself? I have serial ADD, um, you know, ADHD, every vowel you could possibly think of when it comes to lack of focus. And it took a lot of years to kind of control that and practice, you know, how to live with that. I never really had a lot of finance knowledge. I never was really interested in it. Finance, mm -hmm. even today, is, I think, one of those very boring things that still, mm -hmm. I think, is not super engaging for a lot of people out there. And, you know, I really wanted to challenge myself coming out of college. I was, you know, a big sports guy. I got a degree in marketing. I love being creative. Finance, you know, being adulting, right? Coming out of college and having to be an adult and kind of figure life out. I said, you know, look, I need to understand this. My father's opportunity was there. Um, he and my mom did not like that idea. They did not want me to come work for the okay. family business. They said, no, we don't want you to be entitled like that. Please go work somewhere else. And look, why don't I come to work for you guys for like a year? 
maybe right. two years and get, get some nice mentoring under my belt from professionals who are my parents um, and some of their employees. Uh, you know, obviously that was a great plan. That's what we started to do. And then, you know, the 2008 collapse kind of threw a nice, threw a nice wrench in those gears pretty quickly. So I fell into finance because I wanted to challenge myself, but also because it was kind of right there uh, with, with my family. And, you know, it was more on the tech side. It wasn't necessarily on the finance side, but, you know, fintech finance, they, 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 they go together. Right. Hmm. I was so bamboozled by 2008. I was so, I felt like I was being so taken advantage of. I felt like, it was something that was so horrific. And I felt mm. like there was someone pulling the nozzles and I'm hearing stories of people in New York becoming gazillionaires while the rest of the world is suffering so bad. And I mm. promised myself I'd never let that happen to me again. Okay. Wow. Right? It was so devastating to my family, mm. to our family business, fighting in the office. I mean, it was so stressful and so bad mm. as most people that were around uh, no, I promised my parents and I promised myself that again, in my life, I would never be bamboozled like that again. That's what really triggered me to dive into to, to finance even more so before 2008, because I wanted to make sure as much as I possibly could hmm. have my hmm. finger on the pulse of the financial market so that I could pivot quickly if something just catastrophic was going to happen. Hmm. We're seeing this again with now COVID in the last two years. It's been a very interesting financial dilemma. I'd like to think I've navigated <laughs> nicely. No one can do it perfectly, right? That's kind of how I fell into it. And that's what that's what was kind of the motivating factor of, of trying to figure it out. Wow. Okay. So with your father being in the uh, Wall Street side of things and your you know family running the business, how early were you introduced to the uh, sort of the financial concepts, uh, the financial understanding? Well, so it's funny you ask because conversations around the dinner table at night were, you know, stock trades and dividends and subprime and yield spreads. And I'm mm. 10 years old. I don't know what any of that means. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> right. Mm. So it was always interesting. And I asked, my dad was a great businessman, but he was never a great teacher. Unless you wanted to learn how to play a sport, then he was really good. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> he would spend all the time in the world with you. But when it came to financial terms, he kind of assumed that that's what school was for. And hey, I'll let school mm. teach you that. School doesn't really teach a lot of financial financial mm, literacy. Mm, so right. I kind of went many, many years with hearing a lot of, you know, finance buzzwords and hearing a lot of conversations and hearing my mm. dad in the car on road trips, talk to customers and business people and Wall Street executives. And I was always intrigued in what it meant, mm. but my dad really spent the time to sit down and be like, here's what yield means. Here's what APR means. Here's what this acronym means. Here's what mm. you need mm. to think about with your own finances. My parents never spent time doing that and not, not to their own fault, thinking the, the schooling was doing that. Little did they know schooling had nothing to do with that. But back then there was no there was no you know, financial education whatsoever, both from a corporate mm. level or from a personal level. So when you ask me, was I exposed to it? It was early, mm. but no comprehension whatsoever was kind of pushed down to me on what it actually meant and how I could use it in my life. Yeah. And so, you know what, you and I had a really, a very interesting conversation on youth of today and financial illiteracy and sort of kind of your own journey and what you had to overcome. It helped me just understand why do you think financial literacy is a critical life skill at earlier ages versus as an adult? Every single person on this planet fights one thing in common. We all fight time. Mm. And one thing that financial literacy and financial wealth requires is time, right? Unless you're going to be a millionaire tomorrow, which is unlikely. Uh, well, I suppose today with crypto, <laughs> it's far, far more likely than it's ever been. But, right. you know, I think the reason why it's so important to talk about real world 
financial scenarios, not case studies on General Motors and Deloitte and some of these large corporations and how you'd act, but more so the real world scenarios on being a teenager and building certain things so that you've got a foundation underneath you to go be an adult because it takes time. It takes time. Not only does it take time to learn, it takes time to build once you learn it. Mm. Right. So you can either get started early, you can get started in the middle or you can get started later. Right. Mm. And, you know, there's scenarios all the way around. But because it takes so much time to learn and because it takes so much time to kind of build a foundation for yourself, whether that's your credit score or Mm. your wealth or your income or your resume, for example, Mm. which typically correlates to a lot of people to their income, we need to do it sooner. We need to do it sooner. And I think also if we do it sooner, you'll see a lot less mistakes happen, right? right. A, lot of, a lot of the youth are troubled with credit card debt. A lot of the youth are troubled with student loan debt. Now, maybe that's inevitable. Maybe there's certain situations, of course, where that has to be that way. But I think a deeper education on the rules and which rules can be bent and which mm-hmm. rules can be broken mm-hmm. to improve your financial improve your financial literacy um, as a young person. And we just, we just, I never got it. I don't see it happening a whole lot today. I don't have those detailed conversations with the youth today about certain things like that. Um, however, I do believe that with apps like Robinhood and other platforms, the youth are getting into the stock market. They're getting into crypto. I mean, now, you know, kids are born with an iPad and a cell phone in their hands and right. the world's knowledge is at their fingertips. So I think it's definitely much better than where it used to be. The simple education for the youth on what certain things just simply mean is is so crucial and it's sometimes can be intimidating right Mm -hmm. credit card debt should not be intimidating lending Mm -hmm. should not be intimidating there are tools that you can use to build a life right Mm -hmm. talk to any entrepreneur that's done anything significant and talk about how much debt they've been in Mm -hmm. right debt absolute vehicle to success and if you don't Mm -hmm. know how to use debt you're going to crawl You're going to crawl to growth. And same thing comes for the youth, building a credit score. No one talked to me about a credit score until I was in my 20s. No one. My college didn't. My high school didn't. My parents kind of did here and there just because my dad was a mortgage underwriter. So I kind of heard a little bit about it. But I never understood the rules of it and what it meant to go get that first prepaid card to go boost your credit or to be a co-signer on a credit card to boost your credit. Credit takes time. Credit is a time function and, Mm. you know, you can't build it unless you learn about it and you proactively jump into it, Mm. right? So because we all fight time, I think financial literacy at a younger age is so, so, so important. So I give Mm. it up and I take my hat off to to organizations like yours and other organizations out there, or even to parents that spend the extra time with their kids Mm. and say, okay, look, here's some simple concepts here, how it works. I'm not going to overburden you with too much detail now, Mm. right? Let's see how it goes. And then I'm going to start showing you some of the tricks of the trade on some of the things that you can do, Mm. right? So it's important because it takes time. Yeah. And kids at an earlier age have that time, right? Versus adults later on. Might as well utilize it smartly. Yeah, 100%. You've got far less responsibilities as a young person, mm-hmm. uh, depending on your situation, than you do as an adult. You've got far mm-hmm. more responsibilities, far more at risk. And when you're young is the best time to take certain risks. And mm-hmm. you know what? It doesn't need to be risky if you have the education behind it, mm-hmm. right? If you've got knowledge on how to spend credit cards and how to use credit cards and how to use debt and how to s- certain savings strategies, what do mm-hmm. taxes look like? No one ever taught me how to do taxes. I had to fail. 
I had to fail <laughs> multiple to figure out how taxes worked in our country. And I'm still mm. learning. <laughs> right? mm. So, so yeah, time is something that we all fight and the sooner the better. Wow. Okay. Let me uh, now make the adults of our audience feel a little good. What's your advice to adults that, let's say, didn't get the proper financial education early on? They're not staying up to date with financial knowledge, either because they don't see it important enough still, or they don't know where to start. The number one reason I see a lot of adults not want to educate themselves further on finance or not dive in is because it's intimidating. And I'm not entirely sure if the world does that on purpose go hire a financial advisor, go hire a CPA, go hire these people. And, you know, we, we're, we're not educating you because we want to give the world uh, a service job so that they can educate you. Maybe, maybe that's the situation, maybe not. But, you know, I think it's a very intimidating thing. There's so many charts and there's so many numbers and there's so many Excel spreadsheets. You and I talked about this uh, before the podcast, George Washington University did a great study. It's been several years now, but still relevant. I think only 12% of Americans are educated on accounting and finance, and only 9% have a higher education on accounting. 88 to 91% of our country totally uneducated on accounting and finance, and that runs our world. That runs our life, right? Mm -hmm. You have to know certain things in order to drive your car and to put food on the table and to raise a family, right, and to grow up. So I think it's tough, even for me these days, when I sit with my my board and I sit with my partners and my accountant and all these spreadsheets come out, my eyes glaze over mm-hmm. because I've been financially illiterate for so many years and mm-hmm. it's really been pulling teeth to get me to figure it out because it's simply not an engaging process. Mm-hmm. It's simply not an engaging learning curve. It's something that takes some serious mind power and it mm-hmm. takes a really good team depending on who you are. I am mm-hmm. not a fast learner, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to numbers. If you want to teach me a new sport, I'll get it in 15, right? But if you're going to teach me a financial concept, you really better dumb it down for me because I need to be able to slowly walk into that type of atmosphere. So I think number one with adults, it's it's intimidating. How do you find a mentor or how do you find someone out there that makes it not so intimidating that really dumbs it down for you to very much understand what you need to know to start? Right. So I think that's number one. Number two, if you do find that person, making sure they don't overload you too much. You know, you got to know yourself. You got to know how you learn. Right. I think adults a lot of time want to dive in head first and, you know, show me, show me, show me, show me. I love the passion. Right. But if you're someone like me, for example, who needs to really kind of crawl, walk, run into those scenarios, you need to know yourself and you need to communicate with that financial advisor or mentor and be like, look, I want to focus on these two points. Next meeting, we'll focus on two more points. Mm. Next meeting, I only want to focus on one point, right? And you got to crawl, walk, run into financial education because if you try to, to to learn it all at the same time, oh my gosh, mm. you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have anxiety, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> which is which is really stressful. So that's number two. I think thirdly, the last thing is is we talk about engagement. We talk about making it engaging, right? Mm. Right now, numbers and financial spreadsheets are in the foreground of the financial world, right? You're not going to learn that way. At least not 88 to 91% of of Americans are not going to learn that way. We need to put financials in the background and we need to put your life in the foreground, your children, your wife, your husband, your planned vacations, your car, your home, your apartment, 
your motorcycle, your skateboard. It doesn't matter what it is. What mm. is your life? I want to show you what your life looks like visually first mm. so that you can see, okay. So that to me is a far more engaging process because I can actually see my life first visually, mm. right? Mm. We're in the world of Instagram and Facebook and images and photos and videos and you know, video content now is the number one streaming content on planet earth. So let's bring those to the foreground. Let's have the numbers behind it. Let's make it simple. That is a far more engaging process. That brings me in, mm. right? And then once I'm in, now I can start seeing the numbers. Again, crawl, walk, run. But now I can start seeing the numbers. And now I actually want to spend time to learn this. Wow. Okay. With adults, part of the reason that they're intimidated is because even if they want to pick up knowledge, there's just so much out there. You know, if you just Google stuff, if you YouTube stuff, if you listen to, you know, a hundred of uh, information podcasts out there, there's just so much, they don't know where to start. And mm. by the time they do, uh, the fear is it's already outdated information, right? Right. So it's like, well, where do I begin? And I, I think you bring up a really good point that you need an organization like Sotastic or you need like a mentor that can right. connect the dots and say, hey, let me piece it together for you. Ask me questions. And then let's take you one step further the next time we talk. I, you know, and I think too, look, there's no one size fits all financial plan, hmm. right? And that that bothers me so much when, when, when you see all these advertisements for wealth managers and I get it, you know, the wealth managers, okay, let's, let's tailor a plan to you, but they still hmm. kind of want you to fit in this box. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, fit in my little box and I'll help you. You know, the analogy I give to people, it's a bit odd, I suppose, but um, if you've ever been skiing or snowboarding, for example, your feet are in these boots all day long in the freezing cold in the mountains, right? Mm -hmm. And the boots fit different types of feet. So people come to me all the time and say, oh, I want the most expensive boot. They're going to be the best. Nope, that's not how it works, mm -hmm. right? You need to try on five, six, seven, eight pairs of boots to find out which boot is the most comfortable. And the boot most comfortable for you may not be the top of the line boot may not have the latest and greatest technology, but you know what? When you're on the mountain all day freezing, your feet are going to be warm, they're going to be comfortable, and you're going to enjoy your day. So financial literacy and a financial plan to me is very, very similar, right? Mm -hmm. And a mentor doesn't need to just be some, some, some professional that you've seen online. It could be people's children finance or educate their parents. <laughs> because the because the children dove into it in high school or college and they've got the mind for it and mm. their parents didn't have the mind for it and they're going to their parents and they're saying hey mom and dad get into crypto or don't get into crypto mm. or hey do this or hey do that so mm. you know as the generations that are younger what i'm seeing and discovering through my own software companies is the topic of financial management and money is no longer this hush hush topic for the older generation, I, I would say the generations above the millennial generation, it was always this very secret thing. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't want you to know of my financial situation. You know, I don't, I, that's, that's kind of hush hush. In the millennial generation and younger, it's, there's, there's still some privacy to it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like we're advertising to the world what our financial situation is. But typically what you're seeing with the younger generations is a little more openness, Mm -hmm. to talking about their financial situation. Hey, what are you doing? This is what I'm doing. Sure, I want to share that with you, mm -hmm. right? Let me help you out. Mm -hmm. So I think the one-size-fits-all model is not a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, a mentor doesn't have to be some genius that has a degree in accounting. The mentor can be some, someone that did something right.
Maybe yeah. they know credit really well. You know, mm-hmm. maybe they know credit cards really well. Maybe they know home loans or SBA loans for businesses really well. Mm-hmm. You can have multiple mentors in your financial life. It doesn't just need to be one. Yeah. And you know what? With a mentor, I think the biggest thing you can do is just be transparent with them, with uh, right. your financial situation, struggles. Just let them into your world so they know how to work with you. Yeah. Lying to your financial advisor or mentor only hurts yourself. <laughs> Help me understand what were some challenges that you ran into as a result of your financial illiteracy? So, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And when I started getting into my my own finances and lending and banking, it was a very it was a very interesting time because you had subprime going nuts leading up to 2008. I got my first home loan at 18 years old wow. uh, with no no income verification. No credit check whatsoever. It was a negative amortization pick a pay option, right? So I could actually choose to pay my monthly mortgage that was less than interest only, right? Because the market was only going up. And there was there was all sorts of unique things going on with banking and regulation. Now, I didn't know that at the time, right? I know that today. But at the time, some of the things that that I just, I just, I was so uncomfortable because I didn't understand what was this fee for? Okay, well, I bought this house. Well, the mortgage broker's taking 3%. Why? What did you even do for me? I saw this fee come out. I saw this credit card charge. Then all of a sudden I saw a 30 day late. Well, I paid, I paid my credit card, but like I didn't pay 30 cents more than I was supposed to. And I got a 30 day late for 30 cents, which stays on your credit for five to seven years. So some of those things where I was just like, oh, I really feel like this is just so unfair. Like I feel like, and it's not really unfair. It's my lack of understanding and my lack of knowledge and understanding how the system works, Mm. right? We have a system. And the more you get to know the system, the more you get to know the machine, you get to, you know, figure out ways to do the right thing and build that foundation for yourself. Mm. So there were a lot of different areas when it came to you know mortgages or credit cards or even student loans and not paying student loans. No one will ever tell you that certain student loans uh, interest accrues while you're not paying it. Now, not while you're in school, some programs, but other programs, if you go on deferment after school because you don't have that job yet or you need to wait, interest is accruing. Nobody tells you that. They don't want you to know that. You know what I mean? Um, So there's a lot of consumer laws now with credit cards saying, hey, you know, if you paid an extra 50 bucks a month, you'd pay it off in this amount of time versus this amount of time. And that that, that stuff is protecting consumers today, which is great. But mm-hmm. some of those some of those things that I experienced in the early 2000s going into uh, being a business owner and out of 2008, I just mm-hmm. it just made me feel so taken advantage of, right? Mm-hmm. I'm working so hard. I'm coming out of college. We have this massive financial collapse. No one is hiring. How are people making trillions of dollars? And I am so poor and I've got a degree and I'm working hard and I know marketing, mm-hmm. lack of understanding. complete, complete illiteracy on, on how the world rolls every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, the foundation is finance. And and it's, that's such a helpless feeling that you think everybody's out to get you. That's exactly right. So many people just ignore it. They just say, Oh, okay. That must be a part of the program. Oh, okay. This is so complex. How, who am I to ask my broker or ask the bank what this is for? You know, Mm -hmm. this is your money. This is your life. And the brokers and the lenders cannot survive without you. The last thing you should be is afraid to ask questions and to step in and say, hey, it's okay. I don't understand this. I don't get it. Help me understand. I don't care how simple it is. I have to talk to my CPA uh, on a regular basis because I don't understand certain things. 
I don't, and I, I don't, and I'm a business owner and I, and I've done well and I'm like, okay, help me. It makes me sad when I see young families or the youth or even adults go into a situation and they've just failed to ask questions because they're afraid mm. because they're scared. This is, this is, this is their life. And if they had a little more confidence, a little more education going into those scenarios, they'd find themselves in a way better place. Good stuff. Okay. You mentioned talking to your CPA as an example of continue to learn. What are some other things that you're doing to stay on the edge of financial knowledge? Yeah. So, you know, as I've gotten older and now that I have businesses that require a lot of moving parts, I find myself reading a lot more than I ever have before. I was a horrible reader. I mean, it took me forever to learn how to read. Um, I was never good at reading. I stuttered a lot in class when they asked me to, to read out loud. Um, it was humiliating. It was embarrassing. And typically when you go through, you know, humiliating moments like that, you don't want to do it anymore, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Naturally. So I overcame that as I got older and as I got into business, I find myself so in the morning, the first thing I open up is, you know, sometimes the Wall Street Journal or sometimes, you know, some news articles on my iPhone just to see what's going on. Now, you got to be careful because there's so much garbage out there, right? Yeah. Anyone will tell you that do your research to really make mm -hmm. sure what this looks like and don't blindly just go after it. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, I never understood the power of reading until I read a few absolutely amazing books that really kind of just turn my mind on. You know, sometimes it's just about turning something on. Hmm. Maybe it's got nothing to do with finance. Maybe there's a book you read, or maybe there's an article you read, or there's a column that you read, or maybe it's just a podcast you even listen to. And all of a sudden it's like, and then because of that, the side effect of that is, oh, wow, this really helped me. I'm going to go do this in finance. Right. I'm going to go learn this in finance. So as a marketer, I'm always looking at things all the time. My surroundings, I'm driving down the street. Oh, look at that billboard. Oh, look at that. And that'll trigger thoughts in my head. What I do is I always try to uh, keep my eyes open. I'm always keeping my eyes open, whether it be in an article or a podcast mm -hmm. or something I talk to you about, Russian, or mm -hmm. some coworkers I, uh, you know, I talk to. I think that keeps me up to date with mm -hmm. what's kind of happening along with reading and then doing my best to kind of filter through mm -hmm. what I believe is the garbage. I right. think once you come to peace with kind of how our system kind of flows, you've got credit, you've got debt, you've got access to capital, you've got 30, 60, 90 day lates, you've got bankruptcy laws. Once you kind of learn a few things and you don't even mm -hmm. need to know all of it, I probably know very little. Once mm -hmm. you know a good chunk of it, you can you can systematically in your head say, okay, you know what? If I build my credit over here and I show W-2 income over here, I can afford a half a million dollar house. Okay. Easy. Step one, mm. step two, step three. So something as simple as that, I think, keeps mm. people engaged. I think lastly, you got to do, you got to move forward. You got to do some certain things, right? Mm. I know credit card debt dating, maybe pulling out of credit cards and too many, looking at your credit score. Mm -hmm. what a bill, uh, you know, what it looks like is intimidating. But for me, I always learned by doing. And because I was so financially illiterate for so many years, I made a ton of mistakes, mm -hmm. right? And I wish I had someone there to walk me through building credit and walk me through access to capital and walk me through pitching to investors, right? Mm -hmm. I just kind of did it myself because I was like everyone else. I was afraid to ask for help, right? Mm -hmm. And no one was there for me. So I just did it and made a ton of mistakes. And some of those mistakes are still lingering. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Can I ask you just a couple of books that you might recommend, a couple of podcasts that you feel have been helpful to you 
Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have any like specific finance books or financial literacy books, because again, I kind of learned that through a different method. Mm -hmm. But there is this one book called Extreme Ownership, um, oh, all yes. about taking ownership as a business owner. And mm -hmm. if something happens in your business, it is truly your fault. You're the owner, mm -hmm. you're the business mm -hmm. owner. And the whole method of pointing fingers and blaming others is not uh, motivational. So that, that was an amazing book that I thought was absolutely incredible. There's another one called The Entrepreneurial Mindset. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a program the author takes you through on what it means to build your core values and how you find core values and the core values that you find in your family and your life. So that was, that was a really nice book just because I thought it was inspiring. The Steve Jobs book was absolutely incredible just because those big, bold stories are really, really motivating on how, on how things can be done. Another documentary that I just think is absolutely spectacular. There's two of them. Um, there's one called Men Who Built America. It was about Rockefeller. It's about Vanderbilt. It's about Ford. It's about Carnegie. And it's just how they built their empires and how they built our country. People think they were just wealthy and they fell in the right spot in the right time. Mm -mm. All of those men were hardcore businessmen and absolutely amazing. And there was a lot of rough times they went through mm -hmm. and they came for some of them came from nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. So that documentary, I think, is like six, seven, eight episodes. And it's incredibly inspiring on how to build a business and how to build a life. And another one on a kind of a similar wavelength is uh, Foods That Built America. And it's about Post and it's about okay. Freebird and it's about um, Johnson & Johnson and it's about Mars, wow. Heinz, right? Ketchup Heinz. Um, some, of these, some of these owners that built the food of our country and empires, mm -hmm. the McDonald's brothers, just absolutely incredible stories. So those mm -hmm. types of things, I think, even if it's at a macro level, you can just learn a ton. Thank you. Okay, that helps. So if you could turn back time and talk to your kid self, what would you advise him about financial thought process? Oh, it's such a tough one because as we all know, looking back as with 2020 hindsight, right? I mean, just trying to dive in sooner, right? There is no golden answer, I think, to this question. But you know, if I could figure out because because I am now learning how long it takes to get traction on things and how long it takes to build things, especially things that are good quality things, it takes time, right? All good things take time, right? It, it just takes so long. So if I if I could go back and look at my younger self. And you know, you gotta be careful because you wanna be a kid, right? Kids should be kids, right? right? You should be kids and you should absolutely live that life. If you've been fortunate enough to not have a ton of responsibilities, you're not supporting a family, which a lot of people have mm -hmm. to do, um, which I believe they're better off for, however. But if you can be a kid, you should be a kid, right? But at the same time, if I could go back to my younger self, I would try my best to just start a little sooner, right? If, even if I started a year sooner or two years sooner on looking at what it meant to build credit, one of the number one largest foundations that I don't think the youth ever looks at early enough is your credit foundation. You can do nothing without a credit foundation. Your credit score, your credit, Experian, Equifax, it is absolutely huge and it stays with you for many, many years, right? And if someone taught me that sooner, someone helped me with that sooner, I'd be in a far better position today with my businesses. Just that whole time we talked about, time time is everything. I, I, would, I would have tried to just spend more time. Can I set primer for you to come next time for our listeners? Can you talk a little bit about iBank and some of the cool things you're doing with it with social media, combining that with finances? 
Yeah, absolutely. So because of the conversations we've had today about financial illiteracy and the uh, finance world not being engaging and really not being fun and it being a little aggressive and intimidating, I said, you know what? There has got to be a better way to look at your money, right? There's got to be a better way to look at your life and to manage your money. Like I said, right now, financials are in the foreground and your life that advise you is in the background. That makes no sense to me. And that makes no sense to a lot of people, right? So what I wanted to do, what I've done with iBank is I've brought your life to the foreground via videos, via songs, via photos, slider photos, so multiple photos, which, you know, a lot of millennials or anyone who's into social media is used to these days, right? So first and foremost, within the iBank system, you can see your actual life, your house, your car, your children, your significant other. And it gives you that engaging feeling of, wow, this is what I have. This is my life. Look at them. It's all right here for me to see. And then we can take one step deeper and we can see, okay, here's the financials behind that. So I think we've done the opposite for many, many years is the financials are in the foreground and the life's in the background. And it's so, it's so intimidating. It's so aggressive. How do we make it so less intimidating? How do you give me that feeling inside where it's like, oh, wow, I want to be a part of that. Oh, there's numbers behind that. Okay. Now I'm interested in learning more, right? Okay. So iBank's kind of a unique product that brings in kind of traditional social media activities and traditional aspects of money management. We mirror them together. We bring them together and we just give you a different experience. Wow. Okay. Thank you again, Trey. Appreciate you coming on the podcast and enlightening our users. And I know that they're definitely going to look forward to not just learning from this podcast, but also having you on for the next time. Roshan, thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. The ideas, techniques, approaches, information, and opinions expressed in this video or podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Sotastic LLC and its employees. While the primary purpose is to educate and inform, it does not constitute professional advice or services. We hope, however, that the content presented here will assist you in developing a strong financial understanding and mindset. You may not edit, modify, copy, or redistribute this video or podcast with any other website, computer, or playing device. Use of this video or podcast constitutes acceptance of these terms. All content of this video or podcast is subject to copyright international law. No private or public means or blog or website can repost or reproduce or modify and post its content without the written consent of Sotastic LLC.